0: Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the top 10 recovery podcast The betrayed the addicted and the expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible. Even when life does not go as planned. Every day I get to help women rise and find their own healing despite their circumstances. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing and freedom, no matter how messy life gets each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. If you're looking for just betrayal topics, catch me on my former podcast where there are four years of golden content, all for free at your fingertips. All right, let's do this. Uh, Today we are talking about how to navigate the differences in our sexual desire because it's a common thing, right? And I have expert therapist here with me, Kristen Hodson, who I think is fantastic. And I know you guys will too. If you don't already (laughs) follow her, I would highly recommend you go and at least find her on Instagram. She shares lots of great content there to help us understand ourselves better and also our partners. So, um, let me tell you who Kristen is. She is a licensed clinical social worker and a certified sex therapist. She's determined to make it easier for us all to talk about sex, no matter where we are and where we started from. She's a mom of three wild things and a partner to her husband, Jake, and they live in salt Lake city, Utah. She's a, uh, Kristen's approachable personality helps break sexuality into easily digestible pieces that empower people to develop their sexual identity and hone their sexual values and improve communication. And she absolutely does that. I love all your little stories and metaphors that you put with helping us understand not only how we can improve our sexual health, but talking to our children about sexual health. So Mm -hmm. been here before. Thank you for coming back, Kristen.
1: Thanks for having me. And the first time we did that, I had such a good time. You (laughs) ask such thought-provoking questions and it was, I'm so glad to be back.
0: Oh, good. And we share a birthday. We're the same. And we share a birthday. birthday. So we're just (laughs) meant to be. Meant to be. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. So this is a topic that I would say, I talk about sex, sexual health, at least once a month. It is always a question Mm -hmm. how, in fact, I just got one today from a husband saying, how do I get my wife to do that? You know, I want her to show up differently. How do I get her to want to have sex with me more? And so it's a common question I would say, and Mm -hmm. I'm guessing maybe something that you deal with a lot in your therapy.
1: I think it's one of the top questions or one of the top reasons why couples and or individuals seek out therapy, because they're trying to figure out how to solve what feels and at times, oftentimes is a complex problem. And they're not sure how to navigate it. So it is a really common question. And I also, while there's a lot of information out there, there's also not at the same time. And so I think people are trying to figure out where and how to get information to figure this whole thing out.
0: Yes, and how to not take it personal?
1: <laughs> how to not take it personal? That's right, exactly.
0: Um, but
1: that—that's a hard thing.
0: It's—I mean, I feel like I'm working on that every day in every situation in my life—is how to not take things personal. So, um, can we just l- l- put it out here? I am someone who's been on both sides, who mm-hmm. has been low desire for a plethora of reasons. You know what mm-hmm. I brought into my relationship and marriage. And then the trauma that was had there, all the breaches of trust. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't feel safe. And so of course my desire just drops. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when I start to work on myself and find that sexual healing along with all of the forgiveness and, and moving through to build trust and safety, I become the high desire Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: it, I started getting rejected and it, it really gave me a lot of empathy towards him for how I was showing up for all those years because I was not gentle.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I was
0: not, I, you know, I've, I've seen you give really beautiful ways of letting your partner know right now, maybe I'm not in the mood or that type of thing. I wasn't gentle. Mm-hmm. It was, I think it was a more, I was making it personal. If uh-huh. that
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. And I, I think, There's so many different directions we can go, but I want to start with what you're sharing and why it's so important is that we can, I've heard people talk about themselves as like, well, I'm the low desire partner or I'm just, I'm just low desire or I'm just high desire as if that is a fixed state of being and a fixed part of their identity when the reality is, is if we're really looking at different stages and times of our life, our desire is ebbing and flowing and it is not determined by gender and is rarely fixed. So the old school books of like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, or like the stereotypes of men, uh, heterosexual, cisgender men being like high desire and their wives not wanting sex is often I, I hear actually... So many people now in flipped circumstances mm-hmm. because as they age or like your children are older and you're in a different stage of life as a parent and person, like it's rarely a fixed state, but we often talk, if we listen to ourselves talk, it can become very fixed and a part of just who we are.
0: Okay. Um, I love all that because I do remember the moment I started to have more desire Mm -hmm. It was, I had, I mean, I come from good girl syndrome, so Uh it was a lot of unpacking with that, but I almost like, is something wrong with me? Am am I now playing into this high desire because I'm, it's, I'm I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to be higher desire than a man. And so something must be off with me or maybe definitely something's off with him. Totally. Because that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Of exactly what you're saying, our society has given us this here's what is normal. and in reality, yep. what normal is a setting on a washing machine is what you say. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. We're often we have inherited some really narrow scripts about desire, and we can also see that it's a problem to be fixed, and often it's the low desire partner that is broken, which is always curious to me because, how we're I'm actually even curious of the idea of high desire and low desire, and how we've determined that. Like what mm. is the baseline? Like, am I just higher desire because I want sex more than you, or is it like what is that? And also, um we're solving high desire, low desire before we've even explored sexual ambivalence. like, and what I mean by this and why I think it's an important part of the conversation is this idea that we are both on the same page, that we want sex in our relationship. We are sharing the same vision for our sexual relationship. I've already resolved that I want sex and you've already resolved that you want sex. So we know we both want sex. And I, I'm actually arguing that I don't think, I think that's an assumption that because we got married and this is what we do, that we both want it. And we have to sometimes go back there mm. of, do we, have we really talked through, but that's a really vulnerable and honest conversation because like, what does it mean for my marriage if I don't want to have sex? But I think if we don't resolve that, then we can um miss a really important part of the puzzle. Does that make sense? Yeah. Of Yeah,
0: it does. And You're really good at, and we've had this on the podcast before when you've said, we're not talking about a lot of things and there's Mm -hmm. not these spoken agreements or having these out loud conversation. We just assume we are married, which means what, what does it mean? (laughs) It can mean so many different things and me going, I'm dating right now. So marriage to me does look different Mm -hmm. and saying, what will the next one look like? Cause I don't want it to look like it did. Yeah. And, and kind of unpacking all that. So I think <clears throat> I do remember I had someone who kept asking on each month, three months in a row, I've been married for three years. We've never consummated the marriage. What mm-hmm. do we do? And it's probably, I, I would, would have a hard time posting their question because I thought, one, I'm not a therapist and neither are my followers. So they're not going to give advice. You know, they sometimes are like, Oh, he's gay. Oh, you know, Uh. (laughs) and and it was never, it's never probably the answers. And so it was just like, I'm just going to keep that away. Um, But I wonder if something like this would have been helpful for a girl in that position or a male in that position.
1: Possibly, because it can be a very honest position, but you can, if you get to the root of the honesty of like, I'm, I'm ambivalent if I want sex, because gosh, I feel a lot of shame about it, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I feel really bad when I have sex. I feel really bad when I have an orgasm. Like you talked about bringing mm. good girl syndrome, that can contribute to sexual ambivalence. Like, I know I'm supposed to want to, but I feel really conflicted. I, I also am always looking at when we're talking about desire. And I want this to go where you want this to go. So shape the conversation. But I'm also like, are there, you talked about, and and I loved how you laid this out, that you now have trust and safety Mm -hmm. in your relationship, and you've been able to expand and open up in new ways that you hadn't experienced before. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is important to remember that sexual health is a balance of pleasure and safety that if you do not have that safety, sometimes we can prioritize safety. Like we can mm-hmm. go so far into safety and trust that we actually kill the pleasure, mm. right? Like we can really favor that. And that that's a whole other conversation. But you are I hear you being like, the factors are in place where I can open up into new parts. And oh, wow, we have this new, I'm high desire, who knew type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, is the some questions I always go back to when someone identifies as low desire, I'm like, okay. So, and even in this, I'm going to put that example you gave me on the shelf for a minute. I'll pull it back down. But is the sex that they're having worth wanting? Are the relational factors like in place that make it safe? Is there, is the context, like is there partner support? Like we know that, Couples have a lot more desire and feel mutually satisfied sexually when they are partnering well. Are they connecting in other ways beyond sex, or is there like no connection? Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to sex, they're like, "Why don't you want me?" And um, is are there a why? Like, is there mutual pleasure? Are there a wide range of ways to experience pleasure and connection? Those are all the things when. It comes to desire that I am wanting to explore versus she's low desire, how mm-hmm. can I get her to? That's often not the right question to ask. It's often she doesn't want to have sex. What could be how can we explore this question because desire is actually a a couple's it's a relational problem and opportunity to solve together. and so the the questions to explore. What are factors that are going into this that could be contributing? Good girl mm. syndrome, unresolved sexual trauma. Um, and sexual trauma can be, I've, people have had really traumatic periods. And the way that that was approached with parents or OBs was really traumatic. And their body is like, we're just not, we're not going to have anything enter my body ever again. Oh. Like there can be so many wow. factors that when we approach, when we lead with curiosity versus how can I get them to? Yes. We will often get better answers and opportunities to explore together in that collaborative space.
0: Mm, That is beautiful, Kristen. And I kind of want to just bring you along with me into adult dating world because (laughs) I can't tell you how many men that I have talked to who have said, I'm coming from a marriage where we had sex, you know, a few times a year. And There's not really explanation and it just leaves the woman, you know, my friends or myself wondering what else was going on there. Mm -hmm. It's not just a, her problem, which it kind of comes off that way. Sometimes is the low desire is the problem. Yes. And so I really like the curiosity in whether you're in a relationship now or you were in one that you were struggling with the the differences and being curious rather than put, placing blame for mm-hmm. how do we get what we want. I really like that. Um, <clears throat> So we may want to have the conversation, which might still be hard to even start the conversation. Yeah. If we're, it, probably if we're that off, I know for me, when we were pretty off, sex was always a fight. Yeah. Because I felt not enough. I felt like I was a prude. I felt like I was broken. And uh, yeah, it was just when are you going to fix yourself?
1: That's right. Like, you go to therapy, let me know. And it's a you problem, not a we problem. And instead of going back to like this shared vision of what do we both want for our sex life? What does that look like? Because it also pulls in, I think, when we were talking about, I want more sex we often want more sex that looks like this and that and that they're initiating and we're doing this in bed. And it's not just, I want more sex. Because I have had couples that they're like, well, yeah, like we have sex three times a week, but like, I want them to participate Mm. in the sex. I want them to want the sex. So it's also not that we just want more sex. We often want there's there's more we don't we want connection we want intimacy we want to feel wanted we want to feel chosen we want to feel pursued we want to feel safe like that's usually what we want more of and we want to get more on the same page and if we're not talking about like if we're not unpacking that if it's just I want you to have more the problem is you I want you to have more sex there's just a lot there's not a shared vision of what are we both working toward and rarely like I use these you know you already know this about me I use metaphors because I feel like we pull sex out into like completely different rule sets than we do anywhere else and it could be like Ashlyn I want you to to go to more football games with me great you probably have the skills to negotiate that a bit more to be like i don't i don't love football (laughs) but i actually am starting to love football when i go with you and it's actually Mm -hmm. fun to kind of get dressed up and if we're doing that tailgating thing that's super fun i like that um i don't love to watch them on tv like you can start i feel like when it's not sex we negotiate differences and desires a lot But when it comes to differences in desire, we think it's abnormal, we think it's weird, we think it should stay fixed, we think it should plateau Mm. and stay steady, and that we both just like, like we're going to arrive and our sex is going to be here instead of being like, this is actually going to be an ongoing conversation over the course of our whole life. Because when I hit a stressful pocket, or my grandma died, or we moved, or we're post-COVID, all of these things are going to impact desire. Mm-hmm. All of them. Sex does not exist in a vacuum, and so it can, I used to take calls on X ninety six. Like that's when there was radio. Wow, <laughs> like it was radio, and I would take my sister and I would take calls, and people would call in with their questions, and they would have these issues, and they the first question was, "Well, have you have you started talking to your partner?" About this, and they're like, no, and they really wanted us to help solve that problem by bypassing that partner. Like, give me Mm -hmm. the Cosmo ten tips and tricks on how to solve this problem without my partner. Mm -hmm. So, when it comes to navigating differences of desire, it is recognizing that it is going to be normal for them to fluctuate throughout our whole life. That it is a relational problem to be solved in a curious an open way and that it is, there are so much context to what is going on in at play around desire. Like your partner who just had a baby eight weeks ago probably isn't going to want to have sex at the same frequency or quality as when you met them when they were 22.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's probably it's going to be different because that's normal.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that and i hope it brings some relief to those who are listening and maybe they're they are the ones saying i want my partner to change um well i i was on both sides i want i would like things to be different when i was more low desire and high desire like yes it's, it, it kind of goes both ways i feel like and blame has gone both ways it's been yes. interesting <laughs> yeah um so I know, um, when I read the book, come as you are, Mm -hmm. I did the worksheets with it and just understanding some of the, um, being responsive or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, even planning ahead, all these things that I hadn't really even considered in my sexual health, but they absolutely are part of it. And when I started doing the worksheets and really, uh, understanding and being curious with me, it had nothing mm-hmm. to do with my partner. The work That's right were for me and seeing that, okay, what was my best experience? What was happening? You know, where was I at in my yes. life? Mm-hmm. And, and then my, where was my worst experience? Okay. And where was I at here and why was it so bad? And And it was, it was so obvious why one was really great and one was not, but I had never taken the time to be curious to say, what? what are the things that are going to put me over here and maybe have a higher desire to be with my partner than to keep me over here yeah um so are there uh books and things like that that you would recommend for couples yeah. to work together well come
1: and-
0: come as you are
1: is is the reason why i like come as you are is for the very reason why you just said it gives you an opportunity to self Reflect and to become curious, and to first, if you've explored, like you know what, I do, I do want to have sex. I do want to be sexual. I do like I want that for me. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, come as you are can support you in getting to that place because I think if we are just wanting um, to have sex because it wards off our partner.
0: from having the box.
1: It's going to be a hard place to sustain. But um, for us to decide and to become curious about the, the things that really contribute, I like to also shift from, I think we oftentimes can put a lot of weight as wanting to be the highest value as a point of entry for sex. Um. I'm not, I'm not mixing up wanting and consent because there's a lot of things that I have a full yes consent, like going to a football game. I totally want to go to this football game. I'm no, I am giving a yes to the football game, but I'm coming from a willing place, not necessarily wanting. And I think, so when it comes to desire, if we don't want to, then we're like, I've got instead of being like there are so many reasons to engage in sex and wanting is one of them. We do this with the gym. We do, we do this with mm-hmm. so many different activities. You're right. So I think there's Basson's model of sexuality. There's a lot of points of entry to getting into a sexual experience, and I think that's what the Come As You Are worksheets do really well. They explore relational context it can explore barriers of like, what are the things that are not working? What are the things that are contributing to me being like, not only do I not want sex, I am like not even open to it. Mm. I don't, I've closed myself off to that. Um, And so Come As You Are can be really, it's still, I think it's one of the most accessible books. There's a new one that I just ordered um, that's like fresh off the presses called Desire. And I'm really excited to see, what that one says uh, about Is that it? Also, but
0: Emily. No, Nagoski? different one. Somebody different. Okay,
1: different one. And Emily Nagoski also her stress workbook. I think that's really
0: oh um,
1: important as a burnout. Burnout. And, I love and then that book. She and her sister have a new one coming out on sex too. But so Emily's books are just really yeah good. And Emily has she's brilliant. She knows the her audience that you have the too long didn't read, and she like summarizes so that you don't get in a fight about like you need to read the book you don't care it's like just read the paragraph and that's so you have a conversation right yes but i i think i uh, becoming curious with yourself and i but i do i think a lot of um people are stuck in maybe sex that isn't that great yeah. but they're supposed to like want it or really oh, like <laughs> No, I love when Siri wants. I know. (laughs) So, those are the things that, in terms of, uh, and I don't know if this is a question that you have at all, but I think couples can be like, yes, I agree with everything you and Ashlyn are saying, but like, how do I start the conversation? (laughs) I think that's a really hard. I want to just also normalize and validate that that's hard, and if there is also relational strain and other Mm. pockets, that's really hard. Um, and so I don't want it to be like, oh, this is so easy. And if you were just doing X, Y, or Z, it can be a a complex knot to untangle. Um, but I'm curious, Ashlyn, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit and you cannot you can take it off of what you've learned about yourself, how you've learned to talk about this, what you've learned being in low desire, high desire, how you've grown in like
0: I just think possibly it could be, if you're willing to share yeah. any parts that are comfortable in that. Um, for me, one, I know that going, one, I was so uneducated with my sexual health and sexuality mm-hmm. as an individual. It, sexuality for me was a partnership. There was no individual Ashlyn. It mm. was, it was when I have sex, it is with someone And so Mm -hmm. I didn't know my body. I didn't know what pleasure was for my body. And so for the first six years of my marriage, I remember saying, um, I don't even understand why this is so great. I don't enjoy Mm -hmm. it. Um, and because you know that when, well, maybe people don't know when you don't feel safe and you don't feel trust in your relationship, and yet you're willing to go and have sex with this person, you're off, your body's definitely not showing up the way that maybe you want it to. Nope. That's right. So it's painful. Sex to right. be painful and not pleasurable and something to enjoy. And so when you say, is the sex they're having good, <laughs> they want mm-hmm. to have it. For me, it wasn't. And, yeah, and that's I, right. To be clear, I do not blame my former partner. There's reasons that I didn't have safety and trust, but I also yeah. took no responsibility in wondering why my body was showing up the way it was.
1: That's right. And I'm, can I put a pin right there just to yeah. say, when I talk about points of entry into like willing, that is with the, like the core elements of safety and yeah. trust are there because you are naming something really important that you're, you're willing, but your body's
0: like, yeah. So really I could say like, I want to do this because I love this person, but I That's also, right. We're not like talking about things that I feel scared about and worried about,
1: yes. but we do
0: it. And then I feel a lot of pain. And so something's wrong with me. So oh. I feel broken because yes. my friends are over here saying it's fantastic. And I'm going, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Um, yes. So uh, for me, it was so ironic, but I went to, I don't know how this happened, but we were in our church leader's office. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a bishop. Mm -hmm. And he recommended that I get a vibrator, which is Mm. hilarious because that is not part of the church. (laughs) (laughs) It was his own personal opinion, right? But It served me. It showed me that one, I could start to understand my body and that I think I'm definitely had those feelings of pleasure equaled sin for me. Yeah, absolutely. So starting to untangle that, um, I took a very personal when i was low desire some i always felt broken i always felt like a prude um and then like i had to perform because i had a partner who was using pornography and so it just it didn't i didn't give myself a lot of room to grow until mm-hmm. until i got into place where we were working through the forgiveness part of all these breaches of trust and saying okay let's move forward we're going to work together and If we end up together, that's great. If not, we're still healing ourselves. Okay. Yeah. So I get to the place where I feel safe and trust and I really, really resisted my sexual health. I did Mm -hmm. not want to dive into it because I felt pressured because at that point in time, sex had been something that was painful, like emotionally painful for me because Mm -hmm. my partner wasn't choosing me all the time in those Mm -hmm. situations. Right. And so for me to like, stand up for myself to not self-betray and to say, actually, I'm going to do this for me, like totally outside of you. And I'm going to figure out my own, uh, desire, my, my things that turn me on things that turn me off. And I'm going to figure out my body. And that changed my world yeah. because I, I became, it became, I am a sexual being that gets to partner with you rather than I am just a sexual partner. That's right. And so for me, I think I had a lot of resistance. I think if anyone's listening to this right now, they probably don't have the resistance that maybe I had because they're open Mm -hmm. to listening. And so, I mean, all I can recommend is to, to be curious, like Kristen is saying and say, you know, are there sexual traumas that you need to do some work on? That's what I did. I did EMDR and ART around some of the stuff that I needed to let go of. Um, I have used different uh, modalities to find that I actually, (laughs) it's just, it's so dumb, Kristen, to me, like I look at it now and I think I wasted so much time. Just stuck in my head and taking things personal, and then to be on the other side and being high desire and still taking it personal and still yeah like, yeah wait, wait I still feel rejected. Was I still feel broken? And it's just it's wild, but I just I'm continuing to see it as we're just different, and and different parts of our days can affect the way that we show up. Yeah, higher and different times of the day. I can yes. be full desire morning, but I don't see you till night. And guess what? Now I'm tired. So tired. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. I'm tired. That's right. And that is not personal and it's hard not to take it personal. And so for me, I think it's curiosity and not taking things personal.
1: Yeah. It. And that's that not taking it personal and having stepping back from that. I think support feeds into the curiosity yeah. because when you take it personal, you already have landed on a conclusion of what's going on. You're already like, this is it. (laughs) Like, this is it. It's because it's a me thing instead of like, oh, maybe 1204 after a long day isn't our ideal time.
0: Right. Right? And and then you have to get into the conversation of, should we plan? Should we just say tomorrow morning, we're going to wake up. We're going to wake up 30 minutes earlier, whatever. That gets kind of boring if you want spontaneous sex, but it also gives you the connection and you're saying, Hey, I'm thinking about you Mm -hmm. right now. I'm too tired, but I still want you.
1: And I will say if people are in, I mean, I don't mean to keep hitting on this, but there's a lot of so, And I'm not going to use the word orgasm because a lot of people experience pleasure and connection without orgasming. So you don't have to have that goal-oriented sex. But it's if you are experiencing lower desire than you are wanting, I think people often hope or want it just to be hormones. Mm. And there's often other things that are going in and, and the um, quality of the experience, there's a lot of research that if, You are not experiencing pleasure, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to step into a wanting or a desiring place from that Mm -hmm. place. So, as you discovered your body and you learned how it felt good, it can change your sexual experiences and it allows you to participate differently. Instead of just responding to what another person wants or is expressing, you Mm -hmm. can. Show you're off. part of it. You're part of that experience <laughs> and participating which that is also can be a more fun rather than just passively taking whatever's coming your way.
0: Absolutely. And it's funny because I do think I I had that belief that sex was for men. It's so much mm-hmm. easier for them. They have pleasure so quickly and they know their bodies easier, you know. And when I learned about my own pleasure, it was laughable. I thought, I'm so sorry for men. Um, We definitely have the better side of the stick. So (laughs) It's the more you know, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, the more you know. But I, I think um, going back to that, that couple that I put on the shelf, I want to make sure I pull it down. Mm. Um, Because when I listen to podcasts, and there's like a dangling piece, Mm -hmm. that couple where they haven't consummated their
0: relationship
1: Mm -hmm. again I think the body is very wise and when we tune into what is going on and there are so many factors and that our our sexual health is an extension of our overall health and Mm -hmm. so meaning if there there are there's something going on there that most likely would require the support of a sex therapist that can help really gently unpack that and support them um in whatever is going on yes. and so to compassionately compassionately say um one they're they're not alone in that that is actually quite common as i see mm-hmm. across the state and belly um and that they can get support and it's probably not existing in the
0: quick tips and tricks camp of solving that Thank you for that. And I do think, where can people find you? Because yes, you're on Instagram, but you, that's this much of who you are. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So I am CEO of a mental health clinic called the healing group, and we can only serve clients in Utah um, just due to state licensure. So we have a location in Salt Lake. We have a location in American fork and we serve clients online um, but our areas of specialization are sexual health, maternal mental health and couples. So people really trying to navigate those reproductive years, which can extend on and on and on and on of how, like all the things that go on. Um, but that's where people can go for therapeutic support.
0: Okay. Well, I'll put, uh, all your information in the show notes so that they can find you and get the help that they need. So I hope, I hope you guys go and get curious and at least start maybe a hard conversation with your partner to say let's just start talking about mm-hmm. it have an ongoing discussion like you said. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much and thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being here with me today, whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the Buffalo.